Welcome to Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy and I'm here with Matt Leach. How are you? I'm well, thank you. We've got a few episodes to get out, which we record prior to the lockdown, which will drip feed over the next few weeks. So expect some more ADR episodes coming your way soon. Are you still holding fast for that no over the phone interview thing? Yeah, I suppose that's something we will need to resolve at some point very soon. I've personally always felt that the conversational approach is what makes this podcast different. Being physical with these people, having conversations is kind of what it's all about. It's where the nuance and tangents live. But, you know, hey, yeah. you know, we need to we need to do our part and we're not going to stop producing content. So we'll see how we go. Trump said we'd all be done by Easter, right? So we should <laughs> yeah. When's Easter? It's like a few weeks away, isn't it? Oh, no, that's right. It was a couple of weeks <laughs> ago. Week. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, you know, we may need to uh, change some of our rules and ad- adapt and pivot or insert whatever adjective you'd like in there. Yeah, absolutely. It, it'll be a different thing to try and, um, and we'll, we'll see how we go. But before we go any further, I need to thank Streamtime for their continued support. We wouldn't be able to do this without them. If you haven't tried them out yet, now is the perfect time to do so. There's a free trial and a discount code at the link in our show notes for any ADR listeners. Do it. You won't be disappointed. And did I see that they've been doing something about COVID? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Uh, so I think it's over the last few weeks, uh, Streamtime, Never Not Creative, uh, the Design Business Council, they've been running a survey with Aussie designers about how they're coping in the COVID event. Uh, they call it a COVID snapshot of the Australian design industry. Beautiful name. It's got thoughts and tips from like over 150 design businesses. And and I'll warn you, it's, it's not an overall happy read, uh, but mm. there is a lot of positives coming through. Like Carol Mackey from DBC points out that a lot of business owners are using this time really to focus on their business and make sure it's sustainable, which is going to put them in a really good place when all this is over. Yeah, we'll put that link in the show notes so everyone can read the report. And big thanks to Streamtime, Never Not Creative and Design Business Council for doing that. Would you like to introduce our guest for this next episode? Yes, I would. So on this episode, we spoke to Andrew Hotridell, who visited Australia very briefly, only just made out of the country before the lockdown. Actually, I wonder whether he had to self-isolate when he got back. Yeah, it was during that time where this kind of virus tsunami was just over the horizon and very few people were taking it super seriously. And he, yeah, yeah. as you said, he just made it out. It was it was the overseas problem and like how naive were we? But anyway, Andrew is from Greater Los Angeles area in California. He's a brand identity designer and he's so much fun. The opportunity more or less came out of nowhere. So I'm really glad it did. Yeah, I was watching some live streaming from the US trying to pick up some tips and Andrew was hosting and showing some pretty great illustrator skills also based on koalas. Nice. We got talking in chat and also after chat and it turns out he was visiting Australia really, really soon, like super soon. He's like, I'm going to be there on Saturday. I loved his work and what he said and does for communities and the stars kind of aligned and so here we are. They did. He, he just loves the creative industry. He's always looking for ways to kind of, I guess, push the idea even further. We got to speak a little bit about the campaign he did, the Hotch 2020, where he was trying to get himself invited to like every creative conference in the United States. Yeah, it was going really well until the virus hit. Um, now all the conferences have been cancelled. <laughs> yeah, they have. Hopefully he'll do a Hotch 2021 maybe when we get out of this. And emphasis on the when. I, I hope all our listeners are safe and keeping themselves busy. I'm currently raising seeds for our veggie garden. I'm If they all come off, I'm going to have so many pumpkins. I'll, se- I'll send you pumpkins in the mail. It'll be like a Netflix documentary, like the Pumpkin King. But seriously, we will get through this. 
We've just got to stay strong and vigilant for a little while longer. Have you got any words of wisdom before we jump in? I don't have any words of wisdom, but I will kind of give an update in that Hotch 2021, like as a great example of like a creative person kind of turning everything around, what Hotch actually ended up doing is he created Cancelled Con. Um, and Cancelled Con <laughs> was- I didn't know this. A, yeah, this is new information, I think, for you. Um, but I've been following the whole thing. I tuned in a couple of times. So it's supposed to be a couple of people that he has connections with to do some, you know, to do a free event from home. It turned into three people turned into six people, six people turned into 12 people. He ended up with like 30-something people. <laughs> it ended up being a two-day, like, eight to 12 hour live stream. Like I think it started at one o'clock in the morning over here. I ended up tuning in. He was like seven hours in. It's the most ridiculous and also fun thing. There's a lot of like very famous names in there as well. Brilliant. Um, we'll leave a link to that in the show notes. Uh, it's it's great. And he's actually doing Cancel Con 2. I don't know how he's <laughs> going to find the time. Like it's actually really crazy, but I strongly recommend it. It's totally free. Um, he's hilarious and he has connections with some of the best designers in the world. So, um, check that out in the show notes. It's, uh, it's a good, it's a good time and it's a good laugh. Excellent. All right, let's jump in. So I love research, uh, and part of the interviewing people that I really enjoy is, is being able to find weird and wonderful facts. So tell us about the emu farm you grew up next to. Yeah. Uh, I grew up like just outside of Sacramento. Uh, and my like neighbors, like just down the street had an emu farm and they had, so like it started out that I was driving home and we saw that they had horses and my parents were like, Oh, let's go feed the horses. And we would take like little sugar cubes and go like feed the horses. And then we were like hanging with these horses and just realized like, Oh, there's just, emu like <laughs> emus yeah i guess emus is the plural. Yeah. yeah there were just like emus there and so we would go and hang out with the emus and they were friendly or really mean depending on the day <laughs> uh and my family lives in texas now and we went to a zoo and there was like a whole bunch of emus and we had like a flashback up to a whole family gathering just feeding oh. emus it seems to be like some weird tradition that has continued on through the years <laughs> what, what do you call a group of emus flock would it be a flock Oh, I maybe. Know. I know uh, flamingos are a flamboyance is wow. like the traditional term. That's right. that's really good. That's going to be hard to top. <laughs> flamboyance. I also found out that you can sing a really high octave of Dream On by Aerosmith. Oh, I can. <laughs> How soundproof is this room? I, <laughs> Do I, it. All right. I'm sorry, people who are listening. <clears throat> oh, no. Hold on. <clears throat> Got it. We got there eventually. It took a second, but we got there. My we goodness. Did it. Amazing. I love yeah. the fact that people at the office are probably going, what is going on? Although it is soundproof, I guess. So. It's pretty soundproof. It's yeah. pretty soundproof. Yeah. Murdered people that was like the here. opposite of ASMR. Like people are just like, oh man, this is so relaxing. And then I'm screaming. We're losing subs like yeah. every minute. Bye everyone. Yeah. Thanks for following. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into 2020 campaign where you were going to become the MC for every major graphic design conference in America. That's it. That's, that's how's, the hope. How's it going? Uh, it, <laughs> it's going okay, yeah. I think. Um, it's been super fun. So uh, I think that I'm, so I'm doing uh, Creative South, which is happening in the first week in April in, in Columbus, Georgia. And I'm also doing Circles Conference, which is happening in Dallas, Texas. Um, and then there are a couple others that have like 
confirmed that like we've had like the like back end deals that like are like technically the scandal um, that haven't like come to fruition quite yet. So there are more coming down the pipeline. Um, and I'm kind of like in a weird holding pattern from campaigning to wait to see what lands, what doesn't. But it really was something that when I went full-time freelance, I wanted to do something that was like a fun passion project. Um, and I love being able to create like these alternate reality, uh, like experiences, uh, like JJ Abrams does it a lot with his movies that like, it's something that people can dive into and almost like attached to some character. And so I love the idea of just like building this world, especially with like the craziness of politics in America and like going into an election season. I was like, man, it'd be so much fun to just do something that's, very farcical, very fun that just gives people like a lightness to one, get introduced to me now that I'm going on my own as a freelancer and two, to like have something to rally behind and that's something being like community and getting connected in conferences. So yeah, it's been super, super fun so far. I got legit hacked by like some Russian hackers. They took no. down my website. Yeah. Bloomberg, Bloomberg campaign came yeah. at you. It, it like, <laughs> it was funny because you sure it wasn't the U- Ukraine. I, I, yeah, I, uh, one of my buddies, Doc Reed, who's an amazing illustrator was going on the Adobe live stream to do an illustration for the website. And I like go to check everything out and the website's down. It's just like a PayPal button. Right. And I was like, what's happening? And so I contact the web provider and they're like, yeah, like somebody got in and like changed all your servers and like, it's all behind this PayPal paywall. And so I had to like take down the entire like site, wipe everything and then rebuild it for the next day. Oh wow. Um, And I was mad for like three minutes. And then I was like, this is the best thing for a case study. (laughs) Yes. I was like, this is just great content. Like who cares? This whole thing is dumb and stupid and doesn't matter anyway. Like why not take it down? Like, uh, there's some there's some flattery in that that someone thought maybe this is real. <laughs> That's how, amazing. How, how have the conference like organizers reacted to it? Uh, it's it's been. I guess on either side, um, I think there have been some that like appreciate it and think it's super fun, yeah. but are just like, no, it's not gonna happen, uh, <laughs> which I'm fine with. I'm like, I'm definitely a certain vibe for like, so there are certain conferences yeah. that I'm like, I know that I'm not the right vibe for you, but I'm going to put you on the list just because like, it's part of the whole thing. Yeah. And other ones just think it's super fun. Uh, I've had a couple that have just said like, Hey, we're looking for something to have you come do just cause it's, it's fun. And, uh, so it's been great connections. Uh, good exposure and I've got to meet really cool people and that's the biggest thing is seeing random people at a conference that are like oh man I came because I saw that like uh, conferences will give me like a uh, a discount code that it's like oh use Hawk 2020 to give like 15% off and I'll meet people that are like oh I came because I saw that like you got a discount code I'm like what that's so weird like that's so weird that like I'm in bed like at home posting something on Instagram and some random person's like this guy's this guy's worth going to a conference for and I'm like what I'm just a dude in a bed without a shirt on <laughs> I wanted to talk about Adobe Live because that's actually where we digitally met. Oh, yes. Which is um, just the most awkward segue I think anyone's ever done <laughs> in the history of podcasts and segues. But it, it's it's great. Like, I love this kind of how small the world is. Yeah. Yes. It, like like now. Like, I think it may, may have only been about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago when you were doing some, you're doing the Daily Creative Challenge. Oh, I finished the Daily Creative Challenge. What is it? Today's Tuesday? Yeah. I finished on Friday. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been and it's Tuesday. <laughs> I was going to say, I think we talked first, like maybe seven days ago. Right. 
And now I'm in Australia hanging out with you. <laughs> Look at that. It's crazy. And then here in the studio, um, which was super cool because we're just having a chat. I was learning some pretty interesting stuff from from you, more than we can get into right now. But you were showing some pretty wild stuff in Illustrator. Oh, yeah. We were getting crazy on yeah. the design safari. The design safari, which is pretty amazing. So how much of that sort of teaching and, and you know, mentorship have you, have you done before this Adobe Live stuff? Yeah, I... Uh, so I taught at um, a university in Southern California for seven and a half years. Right. Uh, my mom was a teacher for like 35 years. Um, she taught third grade and then I was homeschooled. So she was my teacher for like the first however many years. When I was going through high school, even uh, I was doing a lot of drama, a lot of theater and was ended up teaching the lower level, like drama classes once right. I got to be a senior. And I was like, I love this. I love like taking something I'm passionate about and being able to like grow that in someone else. And so when I graduated college, I started teaching uh, right after and just fell in love. Like I, so I taught history and I, I like hated history. I was like, history, it's like happened. Like what? Right. <laughs> and so I got back and started teaching history of visual communication and history of photography. Mm. And just having the context for like where we've come from and how visual systems work and how we communicate visually was so life-giving and so interesting for me to then convert into branding projects and that kind of stuff. And so being able to help students understand like why design works and how these visual systems have existed for thousands of years and just seeing their brains like explode uh, <laughs> was so exciting. And then I got to start doing streaming with Adobe, which is that, but on a massive scale that, you know, I'm used to having 30 some students in a classroom to then being on the broadcast of the internet with like 17,000 people that like mm. some random lady that looks like my mom in Germany is creating a challenge based on my instruction and like learning things. Like, I think that's yeah. so cool and so exciting to be like just giving back to the creative community and stirring up more creativity. Just a big weird gumbo. I want to talk about design history because that is also one of the hardest ones to teach because the students are, are not interested initially. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yes. So I, <laughs> it's funny because, so it was an elective class, but also required for the design students. I made sure that it was like super easy because I like, don't, I don't know. I don't like the traditional like structure of schools of like papers and stuff. And so I was like, I want this to be super easy. I want you to learn stuff and I want you to show me that you learn stuff. And so at the end of the semester, the first day of the semester, I'd just be like, turn in anything you want at the end of the semester and show me like <laughs> what you've learned. And that will be our final, which is cool because it put it in their hands. You know, yeah. like if I was their clients, like that's all you get. I would have design students, which would be used to doing like creative stuff. And I'm like, you're going to listen to me talk for 35 minutes and take notes. And then I would have history students that were like, this is crazy. I'm used to taking notes. And I'm like, okay, I, like we're losing on both ends here. And then I'd have like the one semester I had 11 baseball players cause they thought it'd be an easy elective. And I was like, okay. They like to just sit in the back and they ended up learning stuff, but, right. uh, keeping them engaged at a 7am class, uh, I would bring donuts <laughs> and coffee. And then I realized that like education and learning should also be entertaining and fun. And so I try to do like this weird mix of what I like to call infotainment to where it's a lot of information, but then also entertainment that like, if, if you're learning at my expense of the joke or you laughing at me or, you know, like my hands are covered in weird ink, but you've learned about printing, I'm fine. Like if I am helping you learn, I think 
doing that extra step and kind of taking things out of the classroom, taking it out of the structure of like what you would think a class would be yep. and relating it to other stuff uh, makes it more memorable and makes it more, I think, applicable to everyday life. It's nice because it also takes that kind of learning. Learning becomes the byproduct of having fun. Exactly. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. And I felt like, especially in design, there's a lot of like tutorials and stuff like that. And I'm like, I want you to learn this stuff, but I don't want you to just like look at my screen and, yeah. you know, I talk over mm. it. Like, let's do something weird and crazy and fun. And hopefully you learn, but through another means. I yeah. always tell students that are like, how do I be more creative? I'm like, go to a conference on botany. Like, go somewhere that you haven't experienced before and that's how you get inspired for yep. new stuff. And so I try to take that into education as well. But uh, it also seems to be part of your like, overall brand as well because even on your website, you talk about this idea of always being ready to educate and entertain. A great quote that I stole from uh, Barbara Streisand. Uh, I saw some concert and she, this is, again, this is a great segue, I think. Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> that was rough. Uh, it's Barbara Streisand quote and she said, at the end of this concert, she was like, find the fun in every situation, find the good in every person. And I thought that was such an interesting like approach to how can you make all the things fun? Like how can you make everything fun? Yeah. Creativity is such a exuberant and exhilarating and explosive thing that anything related to it, I think should mirror that. Uh, there's so much like negativity and whatever online and people having controversy with branding, whatever Yeah. that sure. Some of that has validity and it has a place. Why not? But I want to focus on bringing the positivity, making people happy, having fun and trying to take whatever is there and elevate it to like another level. I have like a theater background ish. Uh, I have a theater background. Sure. Uh, I have a theater background <laughs> and uh, like I've always loved being like more personality driven. And I think that I love using that as a platform for other people to stand on. So whether it's a conference or it's a speaker or it's a platform or like Adobe or whatever, I love being kind of the base level to then elevate whatever the message is. Cause mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, I agree with that message. You're saying that message better than I could say it, but I can give you an extra five feet to say whatever that message is. I love the idea of the, the of the learning part being the byproduct, but you're entertaining because I think that I think that's seeping into every industry, yeah. Like every everything we can see. Um, oh yeah. And you're just reminding me uh, because we were talking about history and content about like a bunch of podcasts. Like I never did history. History was the most boring thing in high school. Never, you know, never pursued yeah, or anything it was, like it was that. always taught by the really crusty old Yeah, lecturer. like someone that yes, is right. part of history is yes. teaching history. Yeah. And ne ne like, never started there, but as they got older, gradually got moved right. to history. I love that. Someone who's a part of history is teaching history. <laughs> yes. yeah. They're just telling you about their stories because exactly. they, they yep. were there. Yep. They have like a rocking chair. They just yeah. sit down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like my whole, like a, a lot of the podcasts that I really look forward to about history, and one of my favorite ones is You're Dead to Me, which is they get a comedian in um, they get a historian in who really knows their stuff and then there's a host it's kind of a little bit of both and it really is exactly what you're talking about it's just I listen to it because it's kind of funny and then I, I learn things as well <laughs> yeah you know but it, but it is great because it's almost like you're tricking your mind a little bit it's like oh, I just listened to 60 hours of history yes but it was just heaps of fun like and I really look forward to the next thing and I think I think that's our I think that's a good thing to aim for if you are creating content or putting anything out there is try to be you know yeah and hide it hide it within the there are so many stories from especially design history that like are legit like stand up comedy stories right. that like apply to something that happens now 
And it's like, man, this is the funniest story of how this came about. And now it's something that every designer does yeah. as like, oh, this is just how you design. You're like, no, some dude got super drunk and like did this thing. And that's why you're doing that. <laughs> uh, and so tracing things back that are like commonplace now to where they started or some funny, weird story. Uh, There's so many of those. I just don't think that we pay attention to them. Hmm. Yeah, I, I particularly like the whole multidisciplinary designer which seems to be like such a brand new thing. But like, if you go back into history, like, you know, the Eames were, were doing it way before anyone else. And, yep. and there wasn't like, I'm just a graphic designer. It's just like, I'm just a creative and I do it, whatever it takes, basically. Yeah. And even the people that, gosh, I can't think of who it was, but he, I want to say it was Bodoni or Castellan, somebody who made typefaces. He started out as like an industrial designer making like teapots and chairs and then just gave up and was like, I want to make letters now. Yeah. And, it, and you're like, yeah, like go for it. Sure. Why not? And it's the ultimate like multidisciplinary of like, yeah. I don't know, I'm creative. So like, I'm just going to like follow my dreams, like the millennial dream in like the 1900s. <laughs> with it, with the MCing though. So, I mean, we've done a bit of MCing uh, and I always feel like I don't nail it. I always come off going, oh, okay. I always feel like I could have done better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. And uh, have you learned any tricks though? Uh, my like biggest advice that I give people for really any kind of speaking or hosting or any of that is depending on the length, it's really hard. Uh, so, okay. So if I'm doing like a 30 minute segment uh, for teaching or whatever, it's really hard to complete train wreck in 30 minutes. Like you can almost <laughs> get there, but like you can't like totally train wreck in 30 minutes when you're doing like an hour talk, like you can train wreck. That's like the yeah. dangerous one is when mm. I have an hour talk. So like it can be really bad. And you can't come like through to turn it around in an hour. Like you just, it's just bad and you just got to own it. Uh, when I'm hosting and I'm there all day at a certain point, and it's actually my favorite thing uh, and my favorite like experience. Like a lot of it is like, oh, I'm happy and jovial and fun on stage. But I'm like, okay, like I've done this a lot. Like, uh, you know, a lot of that is personality, me trying to stay awake. Yeah. And there's a certain point <laughs> where I pass like the train wreck part and I'm like, oh, now not only is it a train wreck, it's a train wreck of like clowns and confetti. And I'm like, it's a really fun train wreck now. And those are my favorite things when things get so off the rails that I am like not in control at all of what's happening. And I'm just like, all right, we are all experiencing this together and we're going down with the ship. Uh, and I think that's just so much fun. Uh, but yeah, I think my, my advice to people that are in front of any crowd is during that time, you're not there for you. You need to be there for them, whether it's helping them find the restrooms or teaching them something about design or giving them inspiration for something. Taking that perspective in, even if you're doing a portfolio talk and just showing your work, you'll present it differently than you would going in thinking like, oh, I have the stage to talk about my work. You have the stage to inspire people in their work. Yep. And that mindset shift for me, I try to communicate to speakers as they're applying to Creative South, as they're going on at other conferences. I try to just remind them like, hey, just remember, like if you give them something, they will love you. Um, if it's all about you, they'll forget about you real fast. I, w I wanted to bring up context because I, I guess I've listened to a lot of interviews with you and you've mentioned context a lot. We love a good stalker. Yeah. <laughs> Matt loves his research. This is, yeah, this is, this is my uh, part in the show. I, I guess I wanted to get from you, like you wrote once that a good context can transform content. And yeah. I guess I wanted to pull apart that a little bit more and understand it. Yeah. I'm trying to think of where the concept comes from. And it, it, for me, it always comes back to Night Before Christmas, the Tim Burton movie. And I talk about this all the time, but there's something about watching it 
and just thinking that everything was wrong, but somehow it worked. Like I was like the weird kid in high school that like got made fun of in things. <laughs> and so looking at like theater and film, there was something that I could like step out of the world that I didn't like into one that I did that someone had like created for me. Right. So this is this world building that you talked about before. Yeah. 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 And so I think once I kind of realized that I'm like, Oh, it's the context. Like all the things that are happening are the same of what's happening in the world. Right. That, that in Nightmare for Christmas, I always use this example that there's a scene where they're playing uh, hockey with a severed head of Tim Burton Mm. and they're just like hitting it around. And I'm like, cool. If that would happen in a real world context, like that's national news and like <laughs> absolutely horrifying, but changing the context to, oh no, they're in Halloween town. Like everything's scary and grotesque. And you're like, oh, that's so cute, right? <laughs> that there's something about the content stays the same. Like everything that's in the world is in the world. I think it's great as it's our job to recontextualize it, remix it, and just see a different side, I think. It's a lot like having, I don't know, like a mirror ball that wherever you put it, it's going to reflect something different of not paying attention to like, okay, what mirror ball are we going to use? It's like throw whatever you want in there and let's make sure that the room around it that it's reflecting is unique and different and offers a new perspective. Awesome. I wanted to talk about type and texture. Okay. Those are my two favorite things. Yeah, that's why I want to talk about (laughs) it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Here we are. Where Where does that come from? Um, Like... It comes out a lot in your work, and we're talking about trying to cook up a quick little video while you're here as well. And that was the first thing that that you thought of. You're like, dude, I would love to teach people about type and texture. Let's do it. I don't know if I've had someone. I've, I've had people want to talk about type, and I've had people want to talk about type, like building fonts and type type families, and and working it within posters and communication and language and everything. But type and texture, kind of combining it. Like, where does this marriage of these two T's? I think from my mother. Uh, which is like, not just like, Oh, I was born with it. Um, (laughs) so growing up, my parents, when I was homeschooled, we could really only listen to music that they grew up on or watch TV shows that they grew up on. And so when I was homeschooled every day at 12 and 1230, there was an episode of Andy Griffith's show and then an episode of Twilight Zone. And so, what yeah. A pair. Oh yeah. It was, wow. oh yeah. It was the greatest, uh, on, I think it was like TV land or whatever. And I would have to read to earn TV time. And so I would read in the morning or the night before knowing like, okay, tomorrow, every single day I sit down and I watch episode of Andy Griffith's show, sometimes Mr. Ed, and then an episode of Twilight Zone. And I think as I watched those, the movies that I was watching too were like uh, The Maltese Falcon, The Day the Earth Stood Still, It's a Wonderful Life. Those mm-hmm. kind of old movies. And there's something about the title cards that I thought was so beautiful. Right. And I fell in love with the way that they would capture the emotion that like that Twilight Zone title card would come up and you immediately know like, oh, it's edgy. It's like might be scary and like it's got this energy to it. And there's something about the quickness of being able to capture that emotion Hmm. with those two things and seeing like it's not just the letter forms. It's also like the glows around it. It's also the like edges. It's the way that it like is moving above the picture because they shot it on a frame. Hmm. Um, It's all those little details to me that give them personality, but also a story. Um, and the same with the work that I like to do now. That's a lot of like wood type and big, chunky, really textured kind of bleeding over edges, that kind of stuff is 
to me, it gives it personality and it gives it a punch and it gives it like this emotion that I just like to exist in, mm. uh, which is like the weirdest like artist thing to say. Like these letters give me the emotion I like to exist <laughs> in. Uh, and then I love like beating them up a little and giving them some texture because it feels like to me that they have some kind of story that they've been found in an antique shop that were owned by this old lady who has husband carved them. And now it's come into my hands and I've pressed it to this paper and created this beautiful letter that has all the, you know, nicks and drops of this letter when really it's all digital. But for me, it's something that that is just a place that I like to exist in. Uh, I guess it's like my mind palace. And so <laughs> mind palace. Yeah, mind palace. anytime it's I like can get a good, thick, chunky, like slab serif, with like a real rough edge and some like chunks out of it. Like it just feels like a warm blanket for me. I love it. Do you have any other like design quirks like that? Like other, other places you like to play? I mean, collage is a big thing for you as well. Is there a garage next to the, um, <laughs> d- next yeah, to the happy mind palace? D- mind palace? <laughs> um, <laughs> and this is I, my contemplation garage. Yeah. yeah. So like the, my neighbor right now that I want to like take over their house is this idea that I saw someone post about, I think they called it maximalist brutalism. And it's, it's the idea of like, think of like a, like Chinese food restaurant to where you put as much content and information into the smallest space possible. So we're talking Um, about your website here. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My personal website is like that. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my website was like that is I loved the idea of people telling me to show your best, like five pieces and case studies and all that stuff. And I was like, no, I'm going to put like 60 pieces on my site that they're all overlapping. They don't have links to anything. And you just experience them as you experience them. Yeah. And then after that, when I went full time freelance about six months ago, I actually I left that site up. But I launched a new site that has almost nothing on it It has like links to things that I'm working on because yeah, I, I like the idea of just kind of throwing stuff into the ether and seeing what happens. The polished stuff is good for businesses and branding, but I love that idea of maximalism of just like, I'm going to give you all I got and see what happens. Yeah. And yeah, collage is a thing that I discovered a couple years ago. And that goes back to context a hundred percent. Collage really came from the like Dada movement. It was an era where people were seeing these like mangled photos come back from wars and then recreating that by recontextualizing things. So they would tear out pictures from newspapers Mm. and take something that had one message, tear it apart and then put it back together with another message. And I love that idea and I love being able to explore that. And it really is the like core of my heart to work is I'm going to take this thing you think, you know, I'm going to tear it apart and I'll present it to you differently. So hopefully you experience it in a new way. So yeah, I love working in collage a lot. Yeah. You mentioned freelancing, and so I think it was about a year ago on the Quickie podcast, you were talking about that you just started freelancing at that point, and it was literally terrifying for you. Yeah. How are you feeling about it now? Um, I'm feeling better. <laughs> I'm better. Yeah. Like we're six, I think I'm we're recovering. six months in. What yeah. is it? No, it's not January. It's March. Oh my goodness. Okay. I'm nine months in. Uh, oh, a little freelance baby. <laughs> uh, and I feel much better about it. I think... I, for a long time, didn't think that, like, I could do it. I, like, thought that I had a perspective. I thought, like, yeah, I do, like, good work, and I think I have a good perspective, and, like, I'm generically creative. Like, can you make money doing that? Like, (laughs) am I good enough to compete with the people that I was following, looked up to, like, 
the James Whites and Amy and Jen Hood and like these people who are just like top tier design. I'm like, I can't do that. Like, so why even try? And so it took forever. I remember sitting in my car and just thinking like, I think I have to do this. Like, I think that I am like required at this point in my life to do this. Like it, it feels like the right thing for me. And even though I'm going to jump off a cliff, we'll see what happens. And so I jumped and had a couple friends give me production work contracts. And at that point, and still now, I'm like, I nothing is below me. I will lay out a booklet for like <laughs> nine hours with a smile on my face. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's become more stable. I've gotten way more opportunities to be more face forward. And I think the biggest trade off for me was trading off the idea of being successful for being happy. Um, I think I can very easily measure happiness in when it comes to work. It's harder for me to measure success. And so I've just focused on, am I happy doing this project? Am I happy with where the freelance is going? Am I happy with the things that are happening? And if that's the case, then I keep rolling with it. And if not, then I try to move on and see what happens next. Why, why freelance though? Because you, you just started up your own business, I guess, with, 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 uh, with friends, yeah. Black Roses. Yeah. And so why, why jump away from that and back yeah. to being by yourself? I had done freelance on the side for a long time. I had been freelancing for like 10 years. And I think that I always thought of it as a kind of side thing. And I left one job and then started Black Roses with some friends. And as I got into it, we were doing great projects um, and they do amazing work and a lot of like business strategy and a lot of kind of uh, advising, branding, positioning. And as I got more into it, I think I realized that I had done branding and that kind of work for so long that I had been doing stuff for uh, other people, whether I was working at a nonprofit uh, yeah. and even at Black Roses, this idea of like, this is technically for me, but now that I'm getting a taste, maybe like there's something more that could be for me. Like maybe going freelance is a decision that I need to make for myself um, and take a step on my own to see if I can do it by myself. Yeah. It was something, and I, I told the team when I left, uh, which was really rough. I basically told them like, you guys are gonna be super successful. You're all totally amazing. They've launched like other multiple businesses under that. They're still doing incredible work. And I was like, this may be the worst decision I make in my life, <laughs> but it will be my decision. Like it would be a decision that I made. Um, one of my favorite musicals, Sunday in the Park with George. Um, if you're listening and haven't watched it, watch it. It's about artists and it's a great look into the psyche of artists. But there's a line in there that just kept coming to my mind. And she said, you have to move on. The choice may have been mistaken, but choosing was not. And I just think that that's, that's the great. most beautiful like look into life when you're having hard decisions is like, Hey, if you feel like you have to make a call, make a call, even if it's the wrong one, you still made a call. Like yeah. that's still mm. a step. Yeah. I want to rewind slightly a little bit when you were talking about it, you felt like it was a requirement to do this. You're like almost to the point where you, you're doing it around in your head so much that you're like, you know what, I've got to do this. Why, where do you think that came from? Like where, like how, like how did you get to that point where you're like, I have to do this? I think that I have worked really hard to one, like hone my skill. So I'm like, cool. I think I understand design and can do design, which mm -hmm. is hopefully what anyone does coming out of school. And two, I think that I had made the rounds, like met people and, you know, made the connections. 
And I think that there was a part of me that hit a zone where I was like, I feel like I'm required to do this because there are other people that don't have the opportunity to jump off this cliff. Right. And I have a safety net. Mm. And so I would be irresponsible to not take this huge right. risk, which is the weirdest way to think about it. Yeah. Um, makes sense. But mm. that was kind of one of the moments that I'm like, I think that I want to go on my own. If I crash and burn, things are going to be okay. Mm. So maybe I need to crash and burn. Yeah. Uh, like I need to take this risk because I can't, because other people mm. may not be able to. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. The, um, you talked about branding and, uh, I really love the way that you look at branding in the sense that you, you almost flip it on its head. And I, I guess I'm thinking about the, um, the church that you did a lot of design for, a lot mm -hmm. of branding for, and to the point where there wasn't really an identity. It was just yeah. almost a kind of a feeling, the I guess. Yeah, yeah. deep brand. Yep. Yeah. And I worked on, so I worked on that with the team at Black Roses. So they're a right. huge part of that too. And I think that like I've cultivated that approach to design, yeah. like along with that team. And when I went full-time freelance, I was burned out on branding. I was so done. I changed over all my websites. I took down all of my like creative work on Instagram. <laughs> no branding. Oh yeah, no. I had like a like Britney Spears two thousand moment where she just like shaved her head. Like <laughs> I, I just went off and I was like, I think I'm just done for a while. And so I'm actually just going back in to start doing more branding. But I think, I think, and I, I've said this for a couple of years. I think that the logo is like dead. Like we talk about design trends, and I think yeah. it's like a big move that like I think the logo is dying. Because people don't want to connect to a symbol. They want to connect to a person. And I think the way that I approach branding is to build a visual system, to build something that communicates to the person, um, that has a voice, that has a tone, that has an expectation that people can relate to. And I think that that's how people will relate to brands in the future and how brands will be successful in the future is like, who cares about, and I, I said this to a client, which I was pitching this huge rebrand to, and they're like, yeah, we like really want a new logo or whatever. And I was like, I don't care about your logo. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but like, that's just know that if you're, if you're bringing me on to do this rebrand, I don't care about your logo. I'll probably do it last yeah. because I want to make sure that like every single detail is creating the context for whatever that logo represents. Like the logo is the thing that you look at and it gives you feelings and memories and all that stuff, but you won't have any of those if you don't have an experience with that brand first. And so mm. I, I always tell people like, I want to build the house and like build the neighborhood that it's in and then like make the logo as like a coat hook for yeah. like when you get home, just like toss your hat on it, which I think is backwards and wrong from what I learned in design school. But for me, it's all about creating that context that so I'm like, I want every element of your experience to be specifically tailored to what we want it to be. Creative Mornings. I want to very quickly talk yeah. about that that talk that you gave there. I have a relationship with Creative Mornings. I used to run the Sydney chapter oh, okay. for for a long for, for a time with a team, obviously. And just wanted to hear like a little bit about that. Um, there was actually a quote in there which says, "You had five minutes to teach someone something new. What would you teach?" And you answered, "How to analyze design systems through the lens of semiotics." Yeah, Matt loves semiotics. Semiotics. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I was like, my theme. Did you say I don't like know that? why that semiotics. happened. It, just, it came out of me because I got excited. <laughs> wow. Yes. So, so talk about semiotics. Semiotics what? are the best. People don't know about it. Semiotics are basically like the decoder ring to like 
life. When I teach my students, it's our first lesson is I teach them about semiotics and how they work and it like breaks their brain. Yes. Um, and I think designers who have been designing for like 20 years, they're like, yeah, it's like this and that and this and that. And I'm like, do you know why? And they're like, yeah, cause like the colors. And I'm like, do you know why though? Uh, <laughs> semiotics is like the end of all those why questions. Yeah. It breaks down how we understand. It breaks down like cultural barriers. It breaks down language barriers, like understanding how to use like the symbols, indexes, icons together. Like it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you understand how to use those, mm. you can communicate whatever you want. I love, I, I used to teach semiotics and I, I was once given uh, like you're, you're teaching semiotics and you're also teaching um, elements and principles of design. And, uh, and eventually they started sort of coming together because it was, it's that real kind of like, wow subject where like you show something and they're like, Oh wow. You've just changed the whole way I look at life. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, anytime I would show a design example in, uh, my classes, I would never ask like, do you like it? Like what feedback no. would you get? I'd always be like, how do you make it? How do you, how does this make you feel? And my students would like never want to talk about their feelings because it was early and whatever. And I would just sit there and I'm like, how does it make you feel? And so they'd be like, oh, I feel afraid. And I'm like, why? And <laughs> and it's interesting getting down to like, oh, I feel afraid because there's a lot of like harsh edges and the harsh edges feel aggressive to me. Yeah. It's like, yes, it's an index telling you this is scary or this is aggressive. And being able to like pin every single thing to say this designer didn't just want to make a thing. They were very specifically manipulating your feelings to make you feel something. Hmm. And I think if we understand that power as designers, like we can use it for good or evil, Yeah. but it is so powerful that it's, it's not something when I'm asking for feedback, like, Hey, what do you, what, you know, what are you feeling? What's your experience with this? I'm like, I'm telling you how to experience this and you're going to experience it like that. Yeah. If I know how to use these principles, well, I know exactly what you're going to do here. And that's part of the magic of being a creative is in creating that context. So it's like, Hey, come in my house and I have every single plan for like what we're doing tonight. And yeah. you're going to think that it's all happening organically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just drop back to when you work at Sandals Church as yes. well? Because uh, it's I, I guess I've never spoken to someone who who's worked in in that kind of area before. Yeah, eight years. And there was there was a quote that you said which I really loved. One of the most interesting parts about working in the creative in a ministry is that the content never changes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was like how how do you keep it fresh and keep it interesting? Yeah, for for someone that focuses on context like I do, <laughs> like it's it's literally the best because I like I don't have to like. Familiar, familiarize myself with like, okay, what are we communicating? I'm like, got it. Know this story. Let's try to flip it. Um, there's something magic, I think, especially within a church context that it's very experience driven, right? People are experiencing stories, experiencing, yep. uh, having life experiences, growing, that kind of stuff. And taking these stories that they've heard that over the years, right? Like we've all heard the Easter story or like the Christmas story. Like even if you don't go to church, aren't a Christian, whatever, like mm. you've probably heard some of these stories of the joy as a creative to think you've heard this a million times and I'm going to figure out how to present it to in a different way that you've never experienced before. Yeah. And it's going to be like, you know, a kid going to Disneyland for the first time again. I think that says something about your personality though. Cause I think a lot of people would look at that and go like, I can't add anything to this. So they would find that a really hard brief. Yeah. Oh man, I'm gonna go back to Sunday in the park with George. Uh, another great quote is he's talking and he says, uh, there's nothing that's not been said. And his partner goes, but it hasn't been said by you though. 
Yeah. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. that that's, again, one of the most beautiful things is, yes, everything's been said, everything's been done, but it hasn't been said or done by you and no one's had the same experience as you. Um, no one has the same perspective that you do. And that's what I try to sell clients on a lot is you're not hiring me for my technical skills or like the way I do letters or whatever. You're hiring me for my perspective for the experiences that I've been through for like being homeschooled in second grade, like all of those things. I'm like, you're hiring me and paying for those things yep. for me then to give perspective on all the things that you have and uh, smash those perspectives together. Yeah. Amazing. That's cool. What's um What's next for you? You're here in Sydney for a short time. How yeah. long are you here for? Just a couple of days. Just I a couple leave days. on. It's Friday. a long way to go to be hanging out for I'm, a couple of days. I know, right? You know uh, now, like after your yeah. Hong flight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to Melbourne for a week. Gonna hang out there for oh, a little cool. while, and then oh, the Melbourne. And then I'm going back. Uh, I'm hosting some friends on Adobe Live, Amy and Jen Hood. Um, oh, hosting cool. them right after, and then on to Creative South in Atlanta, Georgia, and mm. then bouncing around the U.S. <laughs> on the great MC tour. Wow. Um, yeah. Are you going to do like a, a kind of live travel kind of journal with, with, with your MC tour? Yeah. I, I always want to, and I always am like, Oh yeah, I should do like YouTube content or something. But whenever I go somewhere, I'm enjoying it so much that I'm like, I don't want to film this. I just yeah. want to like be here. And so I'm sure being someone that's like trying to move more into like face forward and like video content and like get to know me, but then I'm also like, just know me in person. Like, I don't yeah. care about the internet. Just like, come meet me. Uh, and I so find, it's I find probably it my so difficult. Yeah. Just because you, you have to kind of almost pause to take the picture of the... The, like, the candid moment. Exactly. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. 100%. Cool. That takes us to time. Does it? Yeah. We did it. Yeah. We did it. We did it. Check it out. <laughs> Look at us. Got some singing in there. Lots of references to your favorite play. That's true. Yeah, Sunny in the Park with George, Stephen Sondheim. It's on YouTube. Go watch it. We'll, we'll <laughs> put it in the show. We'll put it in the show notes yes. for sure. Put that link in. Uh, I haven't seen it, so there we go. Some homework for me as well. Yes, um, which is very exciting. And you're off to the Opera House to see Macbeth, which is. I'm so excited. I'm so amazing. cultured. <laughs> yeah. Just know if you're if you're listening to this, just only think about me as the guy that went to see Macbeth at the Sydney Opera House. Like <laughs> nothing that's, else. Yeah. That's where I want to live in your brain. Is like, man, he's cultured. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. And um, where where can people follow this journey? Where can people find out more about you? We'll obviously put a link to your website in there. Yeah. Um, Hawk.co. So H-S-C-H-D-O-T-C-O on social media. Or you can just go to my website, H-S-C-H.co. Hawk.co. I don't have any work on there, but I update it with links of my current initiatives. So mm-hmm. if I have any other weird things coming up, uh, which I will be launching some like pretty weird stuff soon, uh, you can find it there. I'll be dropping links. Keep an eye out for pretty weird stuff. Pretty weird stuff. That's my zone. <laughs> and Matt, where can people find more about you? Uh, Matt underscore Leach, Instagram. Cool. I'm at Flynn Tracy on everything. And you can find this episode or more at ausdesignradio.com. And you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud at ausdesignradio. And we also have a newsletter. A yes. new newsletter. I don't know if that's a how you say it. New, 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 new newsletter. New newsletter. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so there'll be a link in uh, Instagram and all those other places to, to sign up. We're going to do some giveaways and all sorts of things. So check that out. Andrew, thank you so much. Yeah, thank yeah. you thank for you. visiting. This is super fun. It's been great. Thanks, mystery people listening. 